0: Every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m., WRFL invites you to Office Hours, real-world conversations with U.K. professors. No appointment necessary. Representing the 16 colleges
1: across campus, Office Hours brings professors from every corner of U.K. to share their adventures in academia. Go beyond the syllabus and learn more about the people behind the research. We'll be demystifying higher education one interview at a time. Stop by every Wednesday afternoon.
2: Office Hours is available online via wrfl.fm or on the airwaves on
1: 88.1 FM, Radio Free Lexington.
3: Hello, welcome to Office Hours on 88.1 WRFL, Radio Free Lexington. I'm your host, Sarah Schutze, and I'm here with Boardmaster Brian connors Hello. Oh, got you. You are on the mic this time. I like to catch you off mics. I know. (laughs) All right, and we have... um, We're continuing our conversation today on all things education abroad, and we have uh, two fantastic guests with us, or we will. We have Randall Rorta today of English. Howdy. Hi, Randall. Thanks for being here. And uh, Susan Larson of the Department of uh, of Hispanic Studies is on her way, and she'll talk to us about uh, a program she's running as well. But Randall, we'll start with you. Would you want to just introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm Randall Rota, as uh, Sarah mentioned, <laughs> and I work in the Department of English. Uh, my specialty, such as it is, is uh, environmental literature, eco-criticism, and I dabble in pedagogy as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And you're leading a program this summer to the Czech Republic, so go ahead and tell us about that class. I am Pitch leading away. this program.
1: <laughs> if we uh, rope in enough students there, uh, the program I'm here to discuss today, Environment and Society, in Central Europe uh, is going to be nearly four weeks of exploring what I think is really an amazing place, the Czech Republic, smack dab in the center of Europe. Uh, The program is being organized, uh, for the most part, by expert congenial Czech faculty Hmm. from Masaryk University, one of the top universities there. It's a full-fledged Department of Environmental Studies, something that we don't exactly have here. We have a program, not a department. Um, And uh, and it's going to involve about a dozen faculty members and other expert presenters uh, from that area there. So they are really going all out to make this a good experience for us. Uh, During the courses program, we'll visit a number of places, including two beautiful historic world-class cities, Vienna for a couple of days and then Prague, amazing Prague, for several more days. And We'll be visiting sites from one end of the country to the other end, the Far East to the far Southwest. We'll be in residence in an ancient, dynamic, mid-sized city, Brno, the ancient capital of Moravia. Um, It's got a large student presence with all that that uh, entails or implies. Uh, You'll be traveling and studying with Czech students and they can show you the place in ways that folks like me, altikachers, as they say in Yiddish, can't do. (laughs) Uh, It's an area which has got woods and ridges to the north and has wine country to the south. It's a place I've been to a lot and really like a lot. Uh, We need at least 10 students for this program, uh, but we will take no more than a dozen. Uh, Admissions are being done on a rolling basis. So if you qualify and you apply, you will get admitted, period.
3: Oh, fantastic. Odds are in your favor.
1: Once we get a dozen, the doors are going to close. So, you know, I like to say there's lots of chances of a lifetime, but this is one of those. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. So I hope you'll listen and uh, pay attention in... uh, Come to the fair tomorrow if you want to know more. I'll be there, and uh, feel free to come talk to me, too. That's the pitch. Now let's talk.
3: Great. Excellent. Nicely done. And the fair Randall mentioned is the Education Abroad Fair tomorrow, Thursday, February 5th from 2 to 7 at the Hub at William T. Library, and there's food, so you can't can't turn that down. And So Mm -hmm. it's five full hours of, of free information about Education Abroad. Surely you can find a few minutes to swing on by. Oh, you'll
1: want to be there for all five hours. All
3: five hours. <laughs> <laughs> you can plan your whole future through study or education abroad. Just,
1: keeps, just,
0: just keep traveling. Right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> See the world. Now, yeah. um, Randall, you um, you said something really interesting about and I think perhaps is very unique about this program, Mm -hmm. is that it's really open to anyone, right? Mm -hmm. So do you have any majors that you think in particular this is appealing to?
1: The program uh, is sponsored by uh, Environmental and Sustainability Studies here, our program in arts and sciences. Uh, We are pitching it especially to them. Uh, Secondarily, we are trying to uh, enlist people who are doing education degrees uh, in uh, secondary ed, perhaps in elementary ed, this is for this kind of like practical reason, which is that one of the courses offered in this program, the one that I'll be the teacher for, called Inscribing Landscapes, uh, mm-hmm. it qualifies for UK credit uh, as English or WRD 401, which is a variable topic writing course, just topics and nonfiction mm-hmm. writing. Uh, the course is called Inscribing Landscapes. Uh, these education majors are required to take one of these. If you're an environmental studies person, this course will will transfer for environmental studies credit. Now, there are lots of other people who may find the writing class interesting and then the environmental studies class, which will be uh, on record from Mosswick University, a transcript uh, mm-hmm. that will be issued by them and transfer for environmental studies credit. It could be widely applicable. To, it, it has... Uh, It has economics, it has sociology, it has political stuff. It's got uh, lots of different components to this kind of like broad spectrum of environmental studies and environmental concern. Uh, So in that way, uh, for people who are not looking to meet particular course or major requirements, or perhaps even by petition for some who are, Uh, I would hope and think in this day and age it would be something of wide appeal. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: It sounds like it. It sounds like there's a a lot of disciplines that are Mm -hmm. that this would apply to. Environmental
1: studies touches on, well, everything. Right, right. (laughs) It affects
3: everyone, absolutely. Um, And is there a level that you expect students to be at? Do you think this is. Uh, last week we talked with Tony Ogden from the Education Abroad Office, right. and he suggested that um, students tend to go abroad their junior year, senior mm-hmm. year, sometimes maybe their sophomore year. Uh-huh. Do you have a, a, a level that students are kind of an ideal level?
1: Open to anybody that's an undergraduate that qualifies and has finished the first year.
3: So this would really be great for students who are freshmen or sophomore who are interested in starting a study abroad.
1: Very likely. Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: great. So a lot of, lot of options there for, mm-hmm. for students.
1: Our arms are open. we welcome open. all comers, that's right.
3: <laughs> and is this, this is a program that has no language requirement, is that correct?
1: Oh, heavens no.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean,
1: uh, check is impossible.
0: Okay. <laughs> I mean,
1: it looks like a space alien language. It has all those letters that, are like, that count 8 and 10 in Scrabble. It's, like, (laughs) full of them. It has, like, little accent marks on the top all over the place, you know. I've been there several times on it. I'm not even close to, like... Grocking uh the pronunciation of like uh, nearly anything in it, you know, which actually is kind of part of the fun for me. I experience this kind of like weird kind of freedom about going places where I don't understand a thing
3: but students, you are not required to enjoy that weird freedom of, of, of you oh can, believe you know, me,
1: you'll get a kick out of it you, okay, yeah.
3: but you will be I mean, embraced for your knowledge of English and English alone yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay right, but yeah. but no oh, yeah they
1: and actually uh, I gotta say they love Americans really, really do yeah and right. there's a long history there, which I'm not going to go into. I'll just, you know, oh, just one thing. If you come out of the, tr- the central train station in Prague, uh, there's a statue of Woodrow Wilson.
3: Oh, in Prague. In Prague. Wow! Yeah, mm-hmm. get yeah,
1: yeah. The oh. first president of Czech Republic, T.G. Masaryk, was a very good friend of Wilson's.
3: Interesting, and that's the name of the university as well. Mm, uh, yeah, Masaryk okay. University. Okay. Mm-hmm. Great. Named
1: after his brother, actually. Oh,
3: not the same Woodrow yeah. fan. Or <laughs> just a, just, a, just okay. a raft of Masaryk's around there. <laughs> We've uncovered nice something. Welcome, Susan Larson. Hi. Thank you. For, Thanks for, for having me. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Welcome to Office Hours. Would you mind just introducing yourself?
2: Tell us about your what you do here. Sure. I am um, a professor in the Hispanic Studies Department here. I've been teaching on campus for 12 years, and I teach film. I teach 20th century Spanish literature. Um, I talk a lot about modernity. I talk a lot about uh, how cities work, and I particularly I do a lot of research on Madrid. So
3: Makes perfect sense yes, for the program you're, exactly. you're leading. So would you tell us about... Discover Madrid, the the education abroad summer program you're you're leading.
2: Yeah, no, thank you very much for letting me talk about this program. This is something I wanted to do for a long time, and uh, I took a group of students two years ago for the first time. There were eleven of us. Um, we took classes every day uh, for about three hours, four times a week. Uh, it was very fun because the the classroom is located. Uh, the classroom uh, the last time we did the program and this next time when we go in first summer session will be located um, in an incredibly beautiful uh, building by an arch- uh, designed by an architect in the late 19th century. His name is Antonio Palacios I I know practically what I used to eat for lunch every day. Oh, I really, really oh, love this cool. architect. So just to be able to teach in that building is That's really possible. exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I know, uber geek. I know. <laughs> I'm very enthusiastic about the building. is amazing. Um, just to be able to go in there uh, a few times a week. Um, but, yeah, it's really exciting, to be obviously, to be able to teach in this classroom. It's about 40 meters from the Puerta del Sol, which in Engl- English is like the port of the sun, which supposedly is the geographic um, geographical center of Madrid and Spain. They say it is. It's not really. It's a oh. little off. But that's <laughs> symbolic. It has great symbolic meaning, uh, this, this uh, Puerta del Sol in the middle of Madrid. So, yeah, our classroom is in this absolutely gorgeous, historic building, about 40 meters away from the Porto del Sol, um, which means we do short readings, uh, we see clips of videos, and then immediately afterwards we actually go down the stairs and go and wa- and see the, the place that we've just been reading about. Mm-hmm. So it's this kind of um, super imposition of past and present uh, going on constantly. And, of course, be able to see these places um, alive with people walking back and forth and seeing how they're used nowadays is really, really uh, inspiring. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. And the porto del Sol, of course, is um, uh, beginning in 2011. Uh, there have been very, very large demonstrations there in May when will students will be there <laughs> oh. every year. They are peaceful, I need to say, very, very peaceful, very large and very peaceful demonstrations against um, kind of austerity measures in Europe, so the students learn, it's like you're living um, the news by going to mm-hmm. class every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really quite fascinating. So, yeah, half of our lessons are in the classroom, the beautiful building. Half the time we're in the street um, talking about what we're watching mm-hmm. and what we're seeing and what we're experiencing.
3: Are you there for the, four, the full four weeks of the term? Exactly, okay. yeah. It's, wow.
2: it's a very short, uh, it's of course, it's first summer session. It's a very intense class. Um, so we have class uh, four days a week, and then we take short day trips uh, because there are very uh, important historical cities mm-hmm. to the northeast, uh, s- uh, north, um, south, east, and west of Madrid. We go to Toledo, Segovia, uh, El Escorial, and then we'll go to um, a place called Cuenca. And we'll take short day trips together that we work into the curriculum as well. And
3: this is a trip primarily for... What level of Spanish-speaking students?
2: Well, Spanish majors uh, and Spanish minors, uh, anyone who has successfully completed Spanish 210. Okay. uh, We kind of assume that that's, uh, if you have some grammar structure already in place, uh, that's really a good moment, prime moment really to go, and um, it's a good moment for lots of really uh, quick and intense language acquisition Mm -hmm. in a second language when you already have um, some knowledge of how the grammar works we have all kinds of um, native speakers of Spanish on campus, too. They obviously don't have to have completed Spanish 210 to go. Sure. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah. But they're welcome as well. Right.
3: Great. Should we Let's take a short break, and stay tuned. We'll come back with more for office hours. I should say that oh.
0: uh, uh, since Randall mentioned um Moravia, I'm gonna play a Moravian drinking song okay. on break as well. Sweet. Awesome. Beer is cheaper than water, there. There you go. All the
3: more reason to go. <laughs> more people. benefits
0: the security. Literally. Some <laughs> so I lied. That wasn't that actually wasn't the Moravian drinking song, but that was Dance Dance from the uh whatever I said, Czech song and dance ensemble. Uh we'll get I swear we'll get to drinking songs, whether they be of um, Czech or Slovak influence or uh, from Spain Um, we'll take care of all that but really, what we're here to do is talk more to Randall and Susan.
3: Yeah, let's, let's keep talking to Randall and Susan about their Education Abroad opportunities. And again, these programs are in the first summer session, they begin in May. Um, if you're even remotely curious or interested, I invite you to check out the Education Abroad website or go to the Education Abroad Fair tomorrow at the library, the hub in William T. Library. From 2 to 7, there will be food. So let's continue talking more about Spain and the Czech Republic. Um,
2: Did either of you study abroad when you were in school?
1: Did you, Susan?
2: Well, I learned Spanish the easy way by moving to Madrid when I was nine. So that's how that's how I discovered Madrid by being a kid and, and moving to Spain two years after Franco died and everything was wow. in upheaval. Wow. So a wow. so momentous time. Yeah. So Madrid has always been a part of my life. But mm-hmm. I did study abroad, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember being an undergraduate. I remember that conversation with my parents at about Thanksgiving Mom, Dad, (laughs) I need (laughs) money to go study abroad. And I remember the response, okay, how are you going to get the money to study abroad? So, yeah, (laughs) I remember fondly Uh my study abroad experience. I had a great time.
1: I did not. No, I didn't. It was like an incomplete gestalt in my life. And then my wife, she uh, studied abroad in Madrid, actually, um, Mm. while Franca was still alive. And I heard her stories and saw the friends that she has for life as a result of it and I always felt like something was missing in my life so (laughs) then when I had this opportunity to like take a Fulbright lectureship uh, in the Czech Republic that became my late life uh, virtual study abroad, right. and uh, you know that uh, in biology they talk about uh, something called imprinting. You know where, like, if a, a little critter is born, the first thing that they uh, that they see is what they fixate on is their like parent. You know, so mm-hmm. you have the ugly duckling story, all that sort of thing. I think that happens with places too. I think mm. I did a kind of a late life imprinting on the Czech Republic as like my alien home. Mm-hmm. So I've been back every <laughs> every year since I first went there five years ago uh, for a couple of times for like a good month and a half, two months at a time, and then some other times for just a week or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've come to uh, to uh, love it and really to know it pretty well. Mm-hmm. I've, I've been all over the place on trains and especially on foot, uh, and, uh, and it just uh, makes me feel so alive.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, maybe both of you can talk a little bit then, um, since you have some um, kind of... Um, passion connections to other places um, other than where we are currently, um, what education abroad can kind of be the gateway for for students for a lifetime of learning and kind of curiosity?
2: It's funny you ask that. I'm, in all of the study abroad programs that I've ever known of um, to Spain, the joke is that there's always one student who never returns. <laughs> oh, not <laughs> not <laughs> everyone has always <laughs> returned, <laughs> safe and sound. But there's always a student who... Um, Extends his or her stay uh, uh, quite a bit. Uh, and frankly, yeah. there's always a student who comes reluctantly back home, but after they graduate, they go back. I can't tell you how many Spanish majors I know, ha- know of who have gone on a study abroad program. They just found themselves in, in another country, whether it's in Spain or Latin America, and that's their goal. I'm going to graduate, and I'm going back, I'm going to work. Um, and of course there's a personal connection. They they really they they won't come back. It's mm-hmm. the best thing you can do for your Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> but um
1: Yeah, so forget about coming home. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're not going to want to come that's home. Happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no.
3: <laughs> Discover yeah. your your new uh, alien home. No, it happens <laughs> quite
2: often. There's always one. I'm telling you. That makes
3: sense. Yeah. Uh. That makes sense. And um uh, w- uh, when you think about these students kind of preparing for this tri- these programs, what kinds of expectations do you think or assumptions they, they might have before getting to your respective locations for your programs?
1: Well, that's an that's a interesting and odd one for uh, me because uh, I think that uh, people that go to places like Spain uh, have got like a pretty big yeah. fund of images and expectations. Uh, Whereas, uh, going to a place like the Czech Republic, uh, what they know about it may be uh, scant, uh, and it may be wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think one of the first things that people who are entertaining the idea going here should know is that even though a lot of people uh, in this part of the world call this like Eastern Europe, uh, it's not Eastern Europe. Um, The far west end of the country is actually further west than Rome is. It's right smack in the center of the continent. Uh, the reason that people think of it as Eastern Europe is because, first of all, it is a Slavic culture. It's like the farthest west that the Slavs kind of got. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other part is that uh, it was part of the Eastern Bloc, the Communist Bloc. It was ruled by the Communists for 40 years, uh, from uh, 1948 uh, until the Velvet Revolution in the '89. Uh, so that, uh, that shows in a lot of ways, but it also kind of like lingers in the apprehensions of mm-hmm. uh, people in this part of the world. Uh, people of my age, for instance, are liable to just, uh, as a knee-jerk thing, call the place Czechoslovakia. It hasn't been Czechoslovakia since 1992, the velvet divorce, uh, but we just kind of slip into those ways of speaking. Uh, it's a European country. Uh, which has Eastern influences, uh, but in a lot of ways uh, has been at the center of European history, European culture for quite a while, and that's something that people should know.
3: You have such a great um, description of the Czech Republic in the program uh, online. And um, this would be, for my own sensibility, something that would have uh, got me if I was eligible for such a program. The, um, the, uh, it's a place at once familiar and strange an experiential challenge and stimulant that is altogether safe to explore. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah. What more could you want? <laughs> well, absolutely. That's what I think. <laughs> right. Yeah, and
1: it's familiar. I mean, I mean, it is Western civilization, yeah. right? Uh, and just to give you an example, uh, the central square, Namjesti uh, Svobody, which translates as Freedom Square, uh, has got a, a KFC. Right oh. <laughs> by it there, uh, so I mean that you can't get much more familiar than that. And and yet about fifty paces from there, there's something called a plague
0: column.
1: Mm. Now, now all sorts of Czech towns have plague columns, and they are erected anywhere from three five hundred years ago, uh, celebrating uh, God's deliverance for, uh, of that village from the plague. Uh, of course, it was erected by the people who were spared the plague. The other ones really had no say in it. Uh, <laughs> but it's a fixture. Uh, so, you've got this, uh, this kind of like uh, strange uh, thing going on there, and there's still, like example after example of that. Like, uh, just a brief anecdote. Uh, my, my first Sunday uh, in Brno, um, which is where this uh, program will mostly be located, uh, I, I just was walking on the streets, sunny day uh, in Indian summer, uh, and I was by a church, and I noticed this procession coming away from the church. All these people dressed up like in white. Uh, shirts and costumes, folk costume, with like floral embroideries and things like that, hats garlanded with flowers, and there were like these horses, some white horses being led along, and they started this like little parade with just a handful of people looking on. It was the kind of uh, costume that could have had people uh, playing that music that Brian had going during the break.
3: Dance, dance. Now
1: I come up there, I go to look (laughs) at it, and I look closer and I see on top of the horse, the first horse is this... uh, this beautifully dressed uh, girl figure, only it turns out to be a guy. Hmm. It's like the, in Moravia, they have this custom of this young like, teenage boy dressing up as a girl and riding on a white horse on this like, church holiday at this point. Uh, why... I, still don't, I know a lot more about this place than I did, but I still haven't gotten to the bottom of that uh,
3: one. <laughs> That's a great one. How about you, Susan? You know, as Randall said, there are more, perhaps, references for students about Madrid or Spain and more right. generally, but surely the experience, they must be surprised by things or exactly. discover things.
2: Yeah, of course, Um, you know, when a lot of people think of Spain, they think of bullfighting and um, wine, of course, uh-huh. flamenco dancing, kind of gypsy... Culture, uh, but of course, frankly, um, uh, I think some of the culture shock. Most of the culture shock for the students comes from um, a lot of UK students are in a big, big, big global city for the first time in their lives, and so that, frankly, is is, is part of the experience of just living, learning how to be an, an urban mm-hmm. citizen. As uh, students are taking the subway, if not twice a day, even more. It's what Madrid has one of the best subway systems in the world. Um, so that's a big part of uh, uh, of the experience, frankly, not just being in another country but living in a large city. Uh, students are always surprised um, uh, by the fact that you know working class and middle class families live in what the u uh, k folks consider to be very small apartments. Oh. How do they do that? How do you live with a closet um, your whole life that's only three feet wide and and six feet tall, and all of your belongings are in there and this is this is middle class. Life in a large urban center. Spanish families. um, I should mention that all of the UK students uh, in this program will stay with families, Mm -hmm. and so uh, a lot of families have a long, long tradition of having foreign students stay with them. A lot of empty nesters or people whose own children are leaving for the summer, they're not going to waste space. Of course, they invite um, someone else to stay with them. yeah, how do you, uh, UK students are always marveling at how uh, three generations of the same family, eight people can share a small bathroom. And it's just, you know, <laughs> those kinds of everyday, yeah. uh, you just realize how m- most of the world lives um, outside of the U.S. And that's a great, great experience for mm-hmm. students to have. Mm-hmm. And I should say, too, that um, we talked a lot in our Spanish class about uh what it means to be from the United States. You don't really realize what that means until you're in a foreign country and uh, you're the foreigner. And I think that was probably, aside from the language acquisition, which was, which was great, um, kind of on a, on a deep personal, even philosophical and political levels, um, that I think is the greatest, greatest thing about going to another country Realizing what it means to be from Kentucky in particular, and mm-hmm. what do people think of when you tell them you're from Kentucky? Um, how does that feel to have mm-hmm. all of yeah. these yeah, stereotypes? Yeah, <laughs> that's the first thing people will say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and and that's a mm-hmm. very very like I said a very profound experience for everyone. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and it, l- let me uh, let me. Uh, yeah. repeat that uh, the program that, that I'm hoping to lead if I've in enough of you listeners and others uh, we will be uh, traveling and doing classes with students from the Czech Republic from Masaryk University so that seems to me to be uh, a, quite a a rare opportunity. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And I I also
1: want to kind of ratify what uh, Susan said about transportation. The subway system in Madrid uh, is splendid. Uh, There's no subways in Brno. There's a a very nice uh, system in Prague. Uh, But the streetcars are wonderful. I just love trams. And one of my favorite things to do there uh, is just to like uh, walk right out of town uh, into the hills, the garden plots, the forests, uh, the wild boars in their enclosure, all that sort of thing. Yeah, and when get I get tired them. of walking, I just find a bus or a tram and I go right back in the middle of town. Uh, it, the people in this part of the world uh, do not recognize uh, the freedom uh, that you experience uh, when you're not dependent on your vehicle, mm-hmm. when you can depend on your feet and on mm-hmm. this kind of like social safety net of an operating transportation system which people use to get you basically anywhere you want to go. Mm-hmm. That's
3: great. Let's let's take a break there. We'll be back for more office hours.
0: All right. That was the Madrid dance combo with... Uh, Susan's sitting right here, so I'm going to be in trouble. Uh, La Luna por el Rocio. <laughs> and before that, we had the... Uh, promised Morovian drinking song as well. So we had, you know, the balance there for both Susan (laughs) and Randall, and uh, we will continue to talk with them now.
3: Great. Welcome back to Office Hours. I'm your host, Sarah Schutzi. That was Brian connors Mankey, the maestro of the board. And we're talking to Susan Larson from the Department of Hispanic Studies and Randall Roida of the English Department about their their uh, programs they're running this, this summer in May to uh, Czech Republic and to um, Spain, particularly Madrid. So, Susan, let's talk more about... In your program, Discover Madrid, we left before the break um, talking about what you call the urban citizen, so students' dis- experience being in a, a global city for the first time and what it means to be a, an urban citizen living in a city like that for four for four weeks. And in your um, description for the program, you say uh, students can learn to appreciate the historical, political, and socio-cultural urban movements portrayed in Spanish culture in present-day Madrid. What kinds of political and socio cultural urban movements will students be learning about
2: well, um you know four weeks is a pretty short time, yeah. so but I do have um just some some readings uh, that I do with the students when they I send them beforehand. Some of them do get to the readings beforehand. <laughs> some of them might have to That's hit them the when they get there. For. That's what the <laughs> plate is for. <laughs> but just so um, the students can better appreciate what it is they're, they're seeing as soon as they get there. So I, um, I introduce the students to a... Um, A history of Madrid, Mm -hmm. kind of a history of the modern city in general. And it's really fun because, for example, uh, very close to our classroom, uh, close to the Puerto del Sol, you have a whole... um, neighborhood that is called the uh, Madrid of, of the uh, Astorians, basically the Habsburgs. So you can go, it's almost like stepping back in time. You can kind of walk in that architecture oh from wow. the ha- the period of the Habs- Habsburgs. Huh. Um, and we could talk about um, the royal family and the monarchy and the history of the monarchy. And you can just kind of see it there present in the buildings and then, of course, there's in a more modern part of town, built more in the, in the 19th century. Uh, we can talk about what happened there and when. Mm. Um, you know, we have this, uh, it's called the Plaza Mayor, the, the main plaza, where um, uh, all kinds of uh, important political events have taken place uh, there over the years and continue to take place there, Um but so the students get a real sense of um, of time and of space and history, just kind of by by walking around and uh, reading some urban history. It's really really fun, um, and you get a sense of there being different periods in the city's history. Some have been very economic booms, and others have been completely uh, economic bust, <laughs> just mm-hmm. terrible times. Spain has been through a lot of very difficult periods. Um, it's very, very interesting to show students pictures of, for example, um, the bombing during the Spanish Civil War of 1936 to 39. really destroyed um, a lot of the city center. So it's very, very dramatic to show them pictures of the street where we have our class that were bombed out in, in mostly 38, 39, and what they look like today. Um, and see what kind of businesses have come in, what kind of businesses have left um, and uh, it's, it's very, uh, very eye-opening mm-hmm. to see that. And, of course, now um, Spain is undergoing a, a terrible crisis. And you really see that in the city, this economic crisis and how people are responding to it. So um, there are a lot of empty, abandoned spaces in the city that have been occupied by um, neighborhood residents. In very productive and very interesting ways. Um, So you have this kind of citizens' uh, movements are going on all over the city. And that's really fascinating to to kind of see what happens in a time of an economic boom and how individual citizens and neighborhoods respond Mm -hmm. um, when things aren't going very well Mm -hmm. at all. um, And and that's really eye-opening, I think, Mm -hmm. for the students to see.
3: And you talked at the beginning about um, your your love for this architect who designed the yeah. building that you're in, and, and right. hearing you describe the the things that you point out and take students through, and a lot of it has to do with structures and spaces, a lot of right. architectural elements of the of the city itself. Um,
2: is that uh, something that you highlight? Definitely. Yeah, I have to say, this is kind of where I, my my mind uh, is. You know, in my research and, and things sure. like that. So many students—they enjoyed that aspect. But we—I still—I'm still still in touch with the students I went to Madrid with uh, two years ago. Because you can't help but really cohere as a group. Mm I have to say, we're a very diverse group of people who we probably never would have spoken to one another on campus if we hadn't (laughs) had this experience together. But we we still see one another, most of us. Um, And we still laugh about, you know, I I had this tour of the the great great boulevard in Madrid. I was talking about dates and architects. And then at the end, we just kind of went behind this kind of facade of the great modern city. I said, oh, now that we have time, why don't we go to this... This old market from the nineteenth century that's still in operation, oh, wow. I knew I thought it was a risk it, it's i don't know how to, um, it's very run down, <laughs> kind of smelly actually <laughs> you <laughs> walk in and, um and uh but the students saw um like tuna looked like Madrid obviously is not a coastal town, but tuna that looked like it had just been driven in from from the shore and just enormous fish. These huge displays of all kinds of seafood that they have, which they'd never, ever seen in their lives and didn't know what it was. (laughs) And then markets where there are sections for people shopping who are from North Africa, uh, parts of the market catered to Latin Americans, mostly Caribbean clientele. Again, Asian, just vegetables they'd never seen. And they still told me that was their favorite part. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The market? Yeah, the market (laughs) and just those kind of... uh, Surprises that they would encounter that are part of everyday life that they didn't expect. Sure. So, yeah, so, yeah, so it's, it's kind of a balance between um, learning about how the city works, um, the way the aspects, the way that the city presents itself to the world, mm-hmm. the more spectacular um, architectural components, um, grand parks, things like that. Yeah. But then there's just the everyday kind of surprises mm-hmm. that, um, that, that really stick with students. For quite a long time, and
3: that's really kind of one of the beauties of a study abroad program, education abroad program, is the the convergence of ideas and and what you're learning, and then kind of the material display of those things, exactly. or the way that you can interact with with material um, uh, representations of that or mm-hmm. products of it. Um, Something else that you, that's important to this class, it sounds like, is that, um students are required to follow the local news while they're, exactly. while they're there. So um, tell, tell us what some of
2: the challenges might be for that, or what they well, might learn. Of course, uh, you know, the Hispanic world is, um, there are many, many countries where spoken, uh, Spanish is spoken, and most students here at UK, growing up in Kentucky and from this part of the country, probably have had more exposure of naturally to to mexican spanish or sure. latin american spanish so there's the initial shock that there's somewhat of a different vocabulary a little bit of a different accent
3: uh-huh.
2: um, and ah well the obvious uh here in the united states we don't get the same information <laughs> about <laughs> what's going on in the world um than pe- uh, the people do in, in europe so students are oftentimes scratching their heads wait a minute um I didn't know that was happening in Israel, for example, or I didn't know that was happening in North Africa because we don't tend to either have exposure to those, uh, a lot of news, Mm -hmm. international news. Mm -hmm. There was kind of a, oh, wow, kind of an eye-opening experience just to read the newspaper and listen to the news and the radio every day because uh, uh, concerns in Europe are very different and tend to be much more international than our concerns are here Mm -hmm. in Kentucky Mm -hmm. in general. Um, So, yeah, you get a totally different viewpoint. Mm-hmm. About what's going on in mm-hmm. the world. Excellent. I think we're
3: time for another break. It's going by so quickly. <laughs> Stay tuned for more office hours.
0: La Paloma, from a uh, compilation uh, of music from Madrid at the what did I say um, at the Teatro or uh, the The, the which is a huge flea market. Yes, flea market. yes. Thank Every
2: you. Sunday morning. Yep.
0: Excellent. Um, and now uh, back with Sarah and our esteemed guests.
3: <laughs> so let's talk to Randall now. We've been talking with Susan um, more specifically about her her program to Madrid. So um, Randall, let's talk about um, your uh, program for um, uh, the Czech Republic: Environment and Society is the title That's of it. The one. Okay. All right. So um, in your syllabus. I want to just pull that up. And Randall has the syllabus actually posted on the study abroad. Stiffy slideshow, too. Oh, I missed the spiffy slideshow. Mm -hmm. The uh, Education Abroad um, website has profiles for all of the programs, so you can browse through them. And uh, Randall included his syllabus. And... um, in it, you said the course will be held in the Czech Republic, in the very center of Europe, where nature-culture relations are intensely dramatized through successions of landscapes in varied states of wildness and preservation. I and
1: said it, and I met you it.
3: Did, okay, well, that, <laughs> then the question's answered. The, uh-huh. the, uh, the, a big part of this, of this program yeah. is the environmental... Um, studies the sustainability element, That's and right. and so what about the Czech Republic or these these landscapes connects to that to that theme? Well,
1: there's the landscapes and the culture and. Um well, let's see. Where do I begin? I mean, you can begin, like, in the towns with, like, the parks, like, the uh, uh, handsome city parks right in the middle. In Berno, uh near the first place I stayed, called Kravihora, which is Cow Hill, uh, there's a big woods on, like, a, a hill there, which is actually named Wilson Woods after our former president. Oh, wow. Drops down to a river. You can walk out of town there, and you're in these wooded hills and these garden plots. Garden plots are different there they 're called uh, Zarada. Uh, people have these like small private plots in these big kind of complexes. You hmm. see them on the map, uh, and these people just love to garden. They do it up amazingly that 's one aspect um, something about the place I mean I have more students who hunt mushrooms. Mushroom hunting is this huge thing there, and they—I mean—they're not scared of dying. I mean, they know what they're looking at. You know, <laughs> you, you go there, you can—you uh, know—hook up with a Czech student, and they will pick stuff for you that uh, that you can uh, take and eat. Uh, on the weekends, um, you see the train stations are full of uh, young people with backpacks. They're going off to uh, hata, hatas, and chalupas, which respectively like shack and cottage. They—the uh, whole place empties out on the weekends to these places, which can be single places along rivers or they can be like these little complexes of small little A-frames, things like that. Um, The big thing that I guess I want to mention in that respect is the uh, system of hiking trails uh, Hmm. run by the Czech Tourist Club, uh, originated around the beginning of the 20th century. Um, Basically the whole country is crisscrossed by exceedingly well-marked and well-signed hiking routes, hiking trails. Um, you can uh, you can start at one end of the country and walk to the other end of the country on maintained hiked routes, uh, maintained hiking routes, uh, bicycle routes too. Um, in the in the literature too, uh, the classic works of Czech literature I've come to find out since these first encounters similarly evince this really deep seated nature feeling. This kind of like pastoral thing. Um, we'll be there in May. Uh, the most famous in, uh, poem in the Czech language is called May. May. It's by a guy named Carl Hinek Macha, who died at age 25, but not before having written this poem, written some other stuff, and having walked from Bohemia all the way down to, like, uh, Vienna. Oh. Well, not Vienna. See, to Venice, excuse me. Oh wow! No, Vienna, Vienna's nothing. That's right there. It <laughs> <laughs> is like two hours away. <laughs> okay. it's still a long walk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I should say while I'm talking about, so the, we are going to be busy. We're going to travel a lot. Our first stop will be at uh, one of the world network uh, network of. Uh, uh, eco-villages. It'll be an eco-village in the uh, White Carpathian uh, Mountains. We'll go directly from Prague there. We'll do some team-building stuff, look around that place. They grow fruit fruit trees, uh, sustainable architecture. It's a model for that. Yeah. Uh, we'll also go, as I said, to Vienna, and Vienna will be looking at sustainable businesses as well as touring the city, getting a look at the ancient capital of the Austrian Empire, of which uh, the Czechs were a uh, subjugated member for a good 400 years. Uh, we'll be going to Šumava, the Bohemian Forest, in the far southwest of the country. The largest uh, forest tract in Central Europe. It borders uh, forest national parks in both Austria and Germany. Um, a real model of like environmental preservation, environmental issues. Um, Of ones that I can't go into detail here, but it's a real hot spot for that, as well as a gorgeous area, which I've walked through quite a bit. Mm. We'll be in the far east of the country, a town called Ostrava, which is set in this beautiful area and was one of the most polluted places on the continent. Coal Mm. mining, like we got here. Mm -hmm. Steel making, like we have not too far from here have a coal mine right next to a steel mill, you can't, you can't get much closer than that. One steel mill there retired, Vitkovice is the name of the place, is now like basically an industrial museum. Uh, and it's an amazing place. When I was in Ostrava teaching just this last semester, I couldn't stop going there. It was just so astounding, so striking to me. Uh, and then finally, at the conclusion of the program, we'll spend a few days in Prague, uh, which as I say, is a, a beautiful, mysterious place. And I might mention for Europe, since they don't spend euros, very affordable.
3: Mm-hmm. That's a, that's an appeal certainly for students yeah, need to yeah, fund that's this. Right, yeah. And there are, um, as Tony Ogden pointed out last week, there are scholarships available to help you fund these programs. Especially if you're acting on that now, and you could probably find out more about that at the Education Abroad Fair tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and another point—it's amazing how quickly time goes by with I know. these fun conversations. Uh, um, a, a, an important feature of your class is also writing, and mm-hmm. students will be writing uh, what you call set pieces, short pieces of writing. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and it's based on something that is
1: yeah, traditional. Yeah, I mean it's a kind of a blend of, uh, of of one thing that I do in my class, which is just called just a trial run, like a short take towards something longer than they yeah, okay. might write. But but in Czech literature, there's something they draw from the French, is called a feuilleton. Um, it's uh, originated as a kind of like. Uh, Uh, addition to a newspaper kind of like light literature light criticism anecdote maybe some personal stuff which leads into some kind of topical commentary uh, in this has been and remains a mainstay among the czechs some of the original important writers like jan neruda uh, whose name uh, the Chilean poet uh, Pablo Neruda uh-huh. stole. <laughs> oh, he Did literally they, uh, stole? Well, I mean, he, okay, he borrowed oh. it. All right, all okay, right. that's all right. Really, you know, <laughs> Carry on. Accusations on uh, court. Did that, uh, <laughs> Carl Chopec, uh, um, who also was an avid gardener under the communist era. Ludwig Vatsulik, uh wrote a book uh, called a Cup of Coffee with My Interrogators, which <laughs> consisted wow. of all the tomes that he wrote, these ah. short takes, which uh, got assembled. First of all, they were passed out in Samistat, which is like the unofficial, under-the-table under the publishing methods that they had to employ during the communist era when free expression was obviously stifled. Uh, so uh, that'll be kind of our model for this sort of thing—a way of like both imparting information and giving your own kind of like stamp to it in a compact form.
3: Fantastic. We are getting short on time, so I want to give each of you a moment to to give a a, a last plug for your programs, if you want any kind of whatever you'd like to uh, to say to remind students what 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 a rich opportunity this is. Susan, do you want to
2: start? Sure. No, I would just encourage students to. Um, Really uh, think about going to Madrid, or for that matter, any study abroad program. But, of course, I have this great passion for Madrid. I'll be going with a great group of students for a summer session. We would love to have more people um, join us if you're interested in improving your Spanish in a really short period of time and learning more about yourself by figuring out... uh, how you fit into the world in general. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, please be sure to go to the study at the Education Abroad Fair tomorrow, yeah. which is where, again, and, it's... And
3: that is at the William T. Library. Ah, <laughs> the William like T. Young Library in exactly. the Hub. Exactly, yeah, in the Hub. Yeah, in the yep. hub. Mm-hmm. Between 2 and 7. Mm-hmm. Randall. Uh,
1: yeah, um... I do the same thing. I encourage people to do that. I guess I want to emphasize that this program, uh, we're going to be moving a lot, and that's even when we're mm-hmm. in town, in the, in the lovely and ancient city of Brno. Um, the emphasis is on exploration, the emphasis is on movement. Uh, with the writing, the emphasis is on writing your way into the place, uh, using it to consolidate your experiences, to extend them, to impart them to other people. To make the stories for yourself, the ones that are going to last your entire life, really think that's really important, and that's what we we're going to put the emphasis on. I know that there's a lot of programs that stress environmental studies. Mm-hmm. This one differs from some of the other ones in certain respects. Uh, this is not a rainforest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the third world. It's not a cruise ship destination which you're approaching from inland, as opposed, like to the the boards or the boats. Uh, it's Europe. Uh, it's got a long past. Um, it's very uh, got a very mixed character, architecturally. Uh, landscape terms, socioeconomically, it's an enormously rich place. World War II was here. <laughs> Communism was here. Um, the Austrian Empire was here. The Reformation began here before anybody, before Luther was alive. Um, all this stuff is there. Uh, it's a place which is not uh, totally alien, but which is very strange in a lot of ways, but it's a place that's analogous to Kentucky. It's got coal, um, it's got karst landscapes and caves, it's got local people. Uh, and um, and yet with a difference, with a difference. And also, I guess last thing I'd say is it's a kind of like an image uh, and a, a model of our, our environmental future, uh, a future in which the ways in which people in cities and settlements um, correspond to, relate to their surroundings or environments is going to be very much uh, of moment.
3: Fantastic. I think both of these programs really testify to the fact that study abroad, has evolved to education abroad, and these are amazing programs that really um, not only immerse you in a culture, but expose you to a lot of important ways of interacting with a space and, and people and language and issues as well. And cheap beer. And cheap beer. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else <spent> has <laughs> been on <years>, here <laughs> <laughs> is yeah. China and Cuba.
0: And, oh, I know. and, yeah. we,
3: and yeah. Brian and I have yet a, two more places now to Add to our list. Yeah, so We're always,
0: always keep on adding. Uh, uh-huh. and I'm gonna take us out with um, the uh, Czech uh, Philharmonic Orchestra with the Prague Philharmonic Choir merged together. Not only that, Randall, <laughs> I'm gonna even like up at the ante even more. The piece they're doing is Symphony Number no. Six in F Major Pastoral. So. It's going to hit all the bases <laughs> for you. Dvorak? <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? Did Dvorak? Um, yes. Well done. we so with the big ones. Well done. <laughs>
3: thank you, Randall and Susan, for being here. Thank you, Susan. thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Brian. Join us next time for more office hours.
2: Office Hours is produced in cooperation with WRFL and the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Kentucky. This broadcast theme song is Sandu, performed by Hugo rupi Contini, and provided by the Free Music Archive.